We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It's Wednesday, so that means it is time for our midweek rundown. I have some interesting topics that I wanted to talk about today, and I'm, I'm curious to hear what your guys' thoughts on are on these topics. And so what I'm going to do on these next few Wednesday shows, actually really most of the Wednesday shows, barring just breaking news coming up is I'm going to start kind of taking a little bit of a deeper dive into the team. And, you know, we're doing the position previews and we'll, we'll break down each position from that standpoint. But what I'm talking about right now is more looking at it from the standpoint of what are some of the deeper topics to discuss, you know, and so that some of it will be not, I won't say deeper, but just more refined. So instead of zeroing in on a position last week, we did sophomores that we expect to break out this season and this week we'll talk about sort of a now or never moment for certain players. And there's a, there's veteran players that kind of enter, hey, if it doesn't happen for you now, it may never happen for you for a, a host of reasons. We're going to talk about uh, you know potential breakout players, all-American candidates, all types of fun stuff as we really dive into preparing for this 2023 season for Notre Dame, which I really believe is an important season for Notre Dame. I, I really do. It's, it's not a make-or-break season for Marcus Freeman or Notre Dame, but – it's a season to where success could vault you into another stratosphere and a repeat of last year or anything like it uh, could result in Notre Dame looking, you know, where they've lost a lot of the momentum that they had. And now questions start to arise about certain things about around the program. Can you thrive in the NIL era? If that's the reason or not, that'll be, you know, the reason is Marcus Freeman, that guy. So we're entering a really important period. And and so we're going to dive into that and and just a lot of those different topics and we'll break it down each week. And that's what a lot of the, the stuff is going to be. I'm also going to I'm also going to dive into a lot of different recruiting topics today, for example, is 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 kind of goes along with what I was just saying about the 2023 season. And that is that Notre Dame enters a bit of a crossroads right now with with recruiting. And it's in a lot of different ways. It's short term filling out the 24 class and, and how they the success they have in June, which we've talked about. It's it's over the course of the next year, you know, evaluating certain coaches and, and can they do the job looking to 2025 class and how important that class is going to be to Notre Dame's future. 
and just how this next year period is going to is going to be incredibly important and can be sort of that defining class for Notre Dame and I'll and I'll get into some of the reasons why I believe that to be the case as we get into the show. Then let's dive into at the end. We're going to talk about Sam Hartman and the Heisman. It's been kind of a, a a hot topic around on the message board and you know just some different things that have come up and you know is he getting the respect and people ask, you know, what does he need to do? to win the Heisman. So we'll have a little bit of a brief segment along those lines as well and, and dive into uh, to, to that as we as we let's continue to explore topics. Just a reminder that on these Wednesday shows, we are not going to be doing mailbags. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. let's dive into the first topic and this is every year sort of a, a it's a really intriguing conversation and you look over the years and we've seen you know veteran players that that maybe don't do a whole lot that that go into their senior seasons and have breakout seasons if you just go back and look at the brian kelly era you know he had guys like jonas gray who was considered a disappointment a bust his first three years he was a top 100 running back hadn't really done a whole lot at notre dame comes out a senior year and he was awesome his senior year up until the injury against Boston College. You know, he, he sort of had that he was in a now or never moment. You know, this is your last chance to go prove yourself and 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 be able to finish your career off on a good note or for some players who maybe aren't seniors, hey look, you're in a position now where you're being given this opportunity to be the guy or a guy. And you've got some young players breathing down your neck. And if you don't step up this offseason or this season and, and kind of the offseason leading into the, the, the fall, then your, your, your window may close. And the better you recruit, which is what we've seen at certain positions, the better it's going to be. Asmar Bilal, somebody just mentioned in the chat, is another guy that, that went from just a big disappointment I'll say disappointment, just a guy that didn't do a whole lot during his career. We thought he was going to be better than he was, never really fulfilled that potential. You know, we've kind of had these moments. I think Dalen Hayes is another guy that was a good rotation guy, but really his last year had a chance to make an impact and, and did. And we've seen other guys that had that chance and didn't make that impact. Javon McKinley is one who was a guy that was considered a disappointment most of his career, never did a whole lot goes into that last year. Hey, this is your last chance to make an impact. And I thought he did. He was their best receiver on a team that went to the college football playoff. So we've seen guys like this over time that have really been key to what they do. And if they don't step up, then you see them get passed up pretty quickly. 
So I want to begin on offense, and I have three guys in mind on offense that that you look at and say these guys enter sort of make or break seasons for different reasons. And the first two are going to be skill players, and then you're going to have a you're going to have a, an offensive lineman. And the first guy I want to talk about is Chris Tyree. The reason I put Chris Tyree in this category is he has two seasons of eligibility remaining. And I hope that he uses them now that he's a receiver. Before, I thought this is, is going to be Chris Tyree's last year. You know, he's going to be a running back. There's no way you bring him back for a fifth year. What's the point? You know, he kind of is what he is as a running back. But now that he's shifted to receiver, I do believe there's merit, if he's willing to do so, to bringing him back for a fifth season. But he enters a situation where you've got some talent behind you in Jaden Greathouse and Rico Flores and Caleb Smith. And then you've got some kids signed in the 20 in the 2024 class. Micah Gilbert's a guy that I think could be a slot player and a, and a really talented player. You've got Aeneas Williams coming into the 24 class as a running back that can do a lot of the things that Chris Tyree can do. And so Chris Tyree enters this period where I don't think he necessarily has to have this giant breakout where he catches you know, 40 passes for 800 yards or anything like that would be, be nice, right? It would certainly have a big impact. But I think what it's an opportunity for Chris Tyree to come out and say, hey, look, I, I am finally being given a chance to do something. And I, and I would argue that Chris Tyree hasn't really been given an opportunity the last couple of years uh, to, to be that guy. You had in 2021, he battled injuries, but also Brian Kelly just came out and said, he's a guy that we just used to give Kyron Williams a breather. I think that was a missed opportunity. When in the few times he was given opportunities, you saw him make some big plays. In 2022, they went to an offense that they didn't that didn't really fit Chris's style. They continued to try to use him in those ways. I thought early on, Chris had an impact. You go back and look at the Cal game, the North Carolina game. You know, Chris Tyree had two games in the first four weeks of the season where he had over 100 yards of total offense, and and I think that sort of set the tone for how teams defended him the rest of the year. Although the Notre Dame staff never really used him consistently the way they needed to. Then you fast forward to the Clemson game. They throw him two quick screens and he gets 26 yards, bam, easy. And he just could steal yards like that and and just never really got that opportunity to go into a season where it's like, okay, hey, you're a guy that we are building around. You're a guy that we're anticipating being an impact player for Notre Dame this season. And he's going to get that opportunity this year. Now, how exactly that's going to look, we're going to find out. Uh, there's and, and it's going to somewhat tie into the next guy. But, you know, you obviously have Jaden Thomas that plays a lot of slot. He was a starter at, at late in the year at slot last year. I thought did some great work in the slot. I could easily see him being there again this year. But I also think Jaden could play a lot outside. I think early on you'll see Chris Tyree, if Jaden stays in the slot, I think you'll see Chris Tyree be a bit of a, of a gadget player early on where he'll have a chance to kind of come in and do some of the things that we saw last year, jet sweeps, get some screens, get some perimeter stuff. As he evolves and develop, develops, develops as a receiver, and then eventually, hopefully by the end of the year, you can use him more on more things down the field. That could be the path that he goes to. Or if Chris has a really strong offseason, really enhances his ability to be a quality route runner uh, and pr- continues to improve his ball skills. Not that he can't catch, but it's just – catching the ball down the field 20 30 40 yards over the seam things along those lines is a whole different animal than what he's done in the past where he's caught wheel routes and slides and look screens and I think Chris has good ball skills if you go back and watch him in high school it was his junior year he they would put him outside and let him go run go routes and he'd go make plays you saw in the highlights we showed last week where he caught a pass down the field and 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 outplayed JD Bertrand for the football. So the talent is there. It's just more about a consistency that comes with just 
experience doing it. So how quickly can he really get comfortable there to where the quarterback say, hey, look, when Chris is running up that seam and he's got a window over the linebackers in front of the safeties, I can put that sucker out there because he's going to be able to go get it and make those plays and not have it bounce off his hands and get picked off by the safety. So that's a big period for Chris, knowing that he can do more than just be a screen gimmicky guy. And then does that force Notre Dame to say, hey, look, we've got to get him on the field more, so we're going to have to do some different things. Maybe you do some more 21 personnel uh, type looks where Chris is in the backfield, you move him around. Uh, maybe it's a couple times you get him on jet sweeps. You have Aldrich kind of as the lead blocker, as we saw. If you guys remember back in the 2014 Music City Bowl, that was the play that Chris, that CJ Procise had the 50 yard touchdown on against LSU. He was still a receiver then. He comes in motion. You hand him off a jet sweep and they had Torian Folson as a lead blocker. He has a great cut on the edge, and that's something that helps spring CJ Procise uh, for that long run. So Chris Tyree's a, a unique player because he can bring. He brings a really dynamic element to the table that we just have seen in spurts and we haven't seen consistently because I don't believe that the staff has done enough to put him in a lot of those situations where his dynamic speed, where his one-cut ability can make an impact. I believe that Jared Parker is going to do that. Now it's up to Chris to take advantage. If he doesn't really step up and he's just sort of a gimmicky gadget player all year, I don't know if there's as much merit in bringing him back next year. You're going to have the four freshmen a year older. Jaden's going to still be on the roster. Deion Coles, he's going to be on the roster. You have three new freshmen coming in, plus Aeneas Williams. It's one of those things where uh, if it's a, if he doesn't come out and perform well, you're just going to have to say, hey, it's time to move on. But if he does perform well, not only for him do you look forward to say, Chris, we think coming back next year could really do you some good, could really help you in the NFL, you know, just really prove that you can be this kind of all-around player. But all, more importantly, it'll really help this 23 football team a ton. So I think this is a now or never period for Chris Tyree. I'm optimistic that he's actually going to have an impact season. I don't know what the volume will be like. That remains to be seen. There's a lot of questions we have about how exactly the offense is going to look. But I think it's a situation where whatever he does, whether it's 25 catch touches, 35 touches, 50 touches, 60 touches, between catches and, and, and handoffs and jet sweeps, that I don't know. But if they use him correctly, I think his yards per touch is going to be something that this offense greatly needs. And Chris could have a big impact on this football team. Now, what kind of ties into this is another player, and that's Deion Colsey. Now, he's a junior, right? So Dion still has eligibility remaining past the season, senior year and all, and all that. But I think Dion enters in a very important period for himself. What I don't mean here is I don't say, well, if Dion Colsey doesn't become the dude and the best receiver, then it's a disappointment. It's time to move on. I'm not saying that at all. I think that could maybe be next season. But what I do think Dion has to do is he has to take a step forward. I've talked to a lot of people around the program, and the one thing that I constantly hear about Deion Colsey is he has all the talent in the world, and when he's on, he's really good. It's just trying to get Dion to understand what it takes to be that guy every day. And I think that's something that Dion must continue to learn, and if that light goes on for him, he could be a difference maker for Notre Dame this year. Like, look, he's 6'5". He's 215 or so pounds. He's a lot faster than people think. There was a, a play in, in uh, one of the spring practices we were at 
where he was just going against Benjamin Morrison in a one-on-one. There was no pump fake. There was no double move. There was nothing. He just stuck that outside post and beat Benjamin Morrison to the post, folks, by like four or five yards, just flat out. There was about a yard and a half, two-yard difference out of the break because he, he beat Benjamin out of the break. But then he just pulled away from him as he won the post. And you're like, wow, that's impressive. But how did that rep end? Dion drops the football. And I think those are the, the the frustrations that you see with Dion. is this kid has all the talent in the world. He's an awesome kid. I mean, you look at some of the things he's involved in off the field and the, the type of student he is, and there's a light, lot to love about Deion Colsey as a young man, and there's a lot to love about his talent, but he just has not figured out yet how to be that guy consistently. And when you're trying to accomplish the things that Notre Dame is trying to accomplish this season – you need guys to be that. I need you. To, I need to know that you're going to answer the bell week after week after week. That's huge for a coach. If I'm a, a position coach and I'm going to say, hey, look, I know Jaden Thomas is going to answer the bell every week. The focus is going to be there. The effort's going to be there. If we get him the football, he's going to go try to make a play on it. And you say, maybe he doesn't have the raw tools that Deion Colsey has, but I know he's going to answer the bell every day. And I've got Chris Tyree tearing it up in the slot. And I've got Jaden Greathouse coming along. And, boy, that could be a really impact one-two punch there. And with Dion, it's like, man, on Tuesday he's an all-star. On Wednesday he's just not there, you know, just not locked in, not playing well. June, Thursday it's up and down. You know, one week he may come out against NC State and light the world on fire, just dominate NC State secondary, which he is more than capable of. And then come out the next week, and you're just like, he's struggling to get open against Central Michigan. That's been some of the issue with Deion Colsey. But you still continue to put him out there because those great moments are so good. And so I think this is a this is really now about Deion. And, and I think that Deion battled through some adversity last season uh, in some areas that, that um, I hope helped him really grow. I think he could have been a guy that could have easily just walked away if he wanted to, and he chose to stay in battle. And And I'm hopeful that uh, he gained some confidence this spring. My hope is that he takes that confidence building and rises it to another level in the summer. I think that's what everybody around the program is waiting on. It's like, okay, you showed some flashes this spring. Now let's take that sucker to another level. Because if Deion Colsey is consistently the the better version of himself. Not the best, because nobody is there brings their A plus game every day. But just where the focus is there, the the production is there, the effort is there, the he's locked in, he's doing what he needs to do. He's I mean he's a better, he's a more talented player in my opinion than Miles Boykin. He's got as much production as Miles Boykin did through three years and Dion's done it in two. So I think Deion Colsey has a chance to have a Miles Boykin type of jump a year early. The question is, is, is a lot like Miles. Will this light, will the light go on for him? And, and that was always the question with Miles. And what we hear about Deion now is very similar to what we heard about Miles Boykin in his career. Like, boy, there's times where this kid is our best receiver. And then there's times where you're just like, I can't justify putting him on the field. That's what we heard a lot about Miles. I, I haven't heard quite the lows from Dion that we would hear from Miles, but when Miles decided, you know what, I'm going to be that dude, he went out that spring. Now, this is again, this is going into his senior year where Dion's just going into his junior year. So, Miles, it took Miles a year uh, longer. 
you hope that that Dion can figure it out a little bit sooner. But we watched that spring before Dion before the 2018 season, and we're watching Troy Pride and especially Julian Love just consistently just get dominated by Miles Boykin. And then he went out in the season and had a, you know obviously especially once Ian Book stepped into lineup and had a really impactful year. And and so Dion can be that kind of player. And if he does, then this offense is going to be very, very dangerous because now you've got that boundary guy that's making those kind of plays. You can move Jaden Thomas there as part of rotation. You can put Jaden outside, put him in the slot. And, and all of a sudden you've got the 6'5", 215-pound, 4'5", long player that can make a lot of plays. But here's the, here's the flip side of it. We all know that's what Dion can be, right? The question, however, is will he do it? And if not, how do you handle that as a coaching staff? So if Dion comes out this summer in the fall in fall camp, he's just kind of the same guy. You know, just a talented guy, but just not that guy every day. As a coaching staff, you have to start making decisions about I just don't know if this is if this is something we can keep waiting on. We we've got an Ohio State game to win. We've got a USC, Duke, Louisville, Pitt. NC State, Clemson, we've got some big games to win. We have to go with what we know and what we can trust. And that would, to me, that would mean maybe moving a Jaden Thomas outside of the boundary more. You know, maybe you say, hey, look, we've we got to push Braylon James to get ready sooner. Maybe you move Rico Flores over there. Uh, maybe you do more with Tobias there as part of a, a where you just go right left as opposed to field boundary and push the tempo a little bit more. So, those are areas where I think if you're a coaching staff and he doesn't show up, you know, consistently, you have to start making decisions. And then once that decision is made, it's hard to kind of then for a guy like Deion Colsey to climb back up when you've got a Braylon James you're competing against, a Jaden Greathouse, you've got Cam Williams coming in, Isaiah Canyon coming in, Micah Gilbert coming in. And so there comes a point in time with any coach where you just say, hey, look, I, I, have, to, I have to move forward. And this player has not given us what he needs to give us. And so we have to move forward with guys we can trust. That's really the the the, the scenario where, where Deion Colsey's entering that period. Now, this is not me saying that the Notre Dame coaches are thinking that. I'm, I've never heard that. I just know football, and I know how coaches think, and I know the period that Deion enters into. And I, and I understand that if he does what he needs to do, Boy, this is a, this is he'll be an impact player, and and when you think about Sam Hartman specifically and why it's so important for this season, so there's the now or never for Dion's career, but there's also sort of the 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 need for it for this football team. You have a quarterback who has thrown more deep passes than in the last two years than any quarterback in college football. You have a guy that loves throwing the ball down the field. We saw it all spring. We saw it in the spring game. We saw clips of him and Dion Colsey hooking up for really impressive plays. If Dion becomes that guy every day, I guarantee he's going to become a favorite target for Sam Hartman. He's going to look in the boundary and be like, I've got a one-on-one over there. I am looking the safety off, off and I'm coming back to the post or I'm coming back to the go route or I'm coming back to the deep stop route because I know that this guy cannot guard Dion one-on-one. And even if he's covering Dion, he can't make that play. And, you know, so we saw Dion just absolutely dominate Benjamin Morrison in a rep in a one-on-one. But then we go out there and watch him against Syracuse and Tyler Buckner throws him a goal route and he just allows himself to kind of get ridden out of bounds. And you say, which one of those guys are going to step up? If the guy that dominates steps up more consistently, he will have a big year. 
There's no doubt because he is exactly the type of player that Sam Hartman loves. And he's exactly the type of player that I think this offense needs and will promote for Jared Parker is sort of that they're going to, if they want to throw the ball down the field, look at the Jaden Thomas post route in the spring game. That was Jaden Thomas playing an outside receiver. That was, that was not a slot position. They want to throw the ball outside. They want to throw the ball down the field. And Dion could have a big, big role in that if he can take his game to that next level from a production standpoint, which then is a byproduct of a greater focus. And, and him. what we said about Dion from day one when they got him was, this is a young man that is so gifted that I don't think he understands the level of work and fire and just force needed to maximize his talent. If that day ever comes where he does understand that and embraces it, Dion can be special. Uh, I and, I and I don't care if he catches five balls the next two years. I'll always believe the talent was there. It's just time for him to show it. And if he does, this is going to be a really fun year for Notre Dame. Now, one more player on offense I want to talk about, and that's Andrew Kostovic. This is a kid that I really liked a lot coming out of high school, and he's given Notre Dame some quality moments in his career. I thought in, inserting Andrew Kostovic and then Joe Alt into the starting lineup in 2021 really helped solidify that offensive line. It was never a dominant offensive line the rest of the year, but it was a solid offensive line. It was a unit that you looked at and said, hey, look, they're able to hold their own. They're able to protect the quarterback. They're able to do some different things, and they could go out and win a bunch of games down the stretch. Then you go into um, the 2022 season, and Andrew doesn't win one of the starting guard jobs, which I didn't necessarily expect them to. I, you know, I expected Josh Lugg and, and Jarrett Patterson to win those jobs. But part of that was is because in that spring, he got outplayed in a, in a, in a pretty big way by Zeke Correll. Not that they were at the same position, but Zeke had a big uh, spring in 2022 spring. And it was one of those things where it's like, hey, Zeke's got to move to center, and then we're going to move Jared out to guard. If had had Andrew had a better spring and Andrew outplayed Zeke in the spring, then you'd have left Jared Patterson at center, and then Andrew just steps and starting line up, and you know Zeke continues to battle, and and he's now stepping into a two year starting job now after Jared Patterson departing, but he he didn't win that job, and and so you made they made the move that they that they made. And so Andrew enters this season and, and he goes into the spring with a chance to kind of solidify himself as the top guard on the roster. I don't believe he did that. Uh, he didn't do that in the practices we saw. And we just saw two of the 15. I don't think he necessarily did that in the blue gold game. And so now you enter the summer where Andrew's got a chance to be a, a good football player for Notre Dame and be a starter, but he's also now being challenged by some younger players. You've got obviously Billy Shrouth is you know, a, a regression from the spring away from no regression from the spring away from being a starter. I think he's pretty much got that locked down as long as there's no regression. And then now you've got Andrew, who I think does head into the summer as the presumptive starter. I do believe that he is a presumptive starter. I think he's earned that. I think he played well enough for that. But I don't think he did. A, what I don't think Andrew did was just lock it down to where, hey, this is me. I got this. Rocco, you've got a chance to be really good. I know Jagasaw's coming. I know that Absher's coming. I know that Pendleton's, Pendleton's coming along. But, hey, I got this. Right? This is this is me. And I don't think he did that. And I think he enters a period now where he needs to do that. I think Andrew needs to do that for a number of reasons, but primarily for himself. I thought Rocco Spindler had a really good finish to the spring. And I think with Rocco, he brings a little bit more of the – 
when he's on his game and he's moving his feet, which was a big problem for him until late in the spring, he can move people. And, and I think that that's something that Andrew just has never kind of been able to do. He's never been a guy that can just come out and move people. He's a, what Andrew is, is just a do your job kind of guy. And I think what Notre Dame needs from him is to just be a little bit more, even more consistent in doing your job, but also to be a guy that just is a little bit more impactful, you know, maybe just a little bit better on the second level, just a little bit better in space, just a little bit more movement at the point of attack and then finish a little bit better. And I think if it, with Andrew, it's not this enormous jump where he's got to go from being where he is now to just this significantly better player. I think for Andrew, it's just one of those things where it's just, dude, I need you to be, you're a fifth year senior. I need you to be this guy every day. I, I need you to, to be a leader, which I don't think is an issue, but I need you to just be a more impactful player. You know, you've got eight, nine starts under your belt. Now you've played a lot of football. I really need you to take your game to another level. If he does that, then he'll lock down the right guard spot, hold it down. And Notre Dame's going to be pretty good on the offensive line. If he doesn't, then as a staff, you have to decide, okay, fifth year senior, He's still that same guy. Do we roll with it? Or do we maybe say we're going to give a guy that's a little bit more impactful, guy that's a little bit more physical, guy that's a little bit more talented, a guy that has more of the highs, and we're going to roll with him either as part of a rotation or just flat out at some point in time saying, hey, we're going to make this move. So I think this is a big moment for Andrew Kostovic. And, and a big season could number could do one of two things. Number one is it could say, hey, look, he had a good enough year to where now he can look at taking his, his talent to the National Football League. Or number two, he justifies being brought back for a sixth year and says, hey, look, Andrew had a great year. Let's get him back for a sixth season. Let's let him you know, have two years as a starter under his belt. And that's going to then put him in position to go be a, a player in the National Football League. So I think Andrew Kostovic is another guy that is a, in a bit of a now or never moment for Notre Dame.